0: Hey good morning friends. Welcome back. So, um in regard to our teaching we have been for it, we we were in for a number of months a series in the Gospel of Luke. And we took a break from that during the month of December. We we have been uh, looking at Advent and the arrival of Jesus and talking about Christmas and um That has been a a great time, I think. So this morning, I want to take one more week off of Luke and kind of just do a year-end review and a sort of look forward where we're going to go this next year. And then next Sunday, we will return to our series in Luke. And uh, if you have been studying along with us, you know, I think we're about the beginning of chapter 11, but uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, this week, I was just sort of doing what I do and probably what many of you do, kind of reflecting on the year. You think about where we've been, what we're doing, where we're going, you know, what you want to do. I don't know if you guys sent New Year's resolutions and have some goals, Uh, but I I was thinking a little bit about our church. And so I kind of want to just take a few minutes and sort of share some of my thoughts with you, both looking back over the year and then looking forward. I think it's good to do this from time to time. The church, not just our church, but the church at large, and then our church as a part of that, is really an organism, not just an organization. And what I mean by that is that while there is a level of organization, there's leadership and servants and people who do things, and there's some structure to that, but it's also a living, moving, changing organism. And church is always changing and always moving. That's just reality. That's reality everywhere. I, I've been, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I'm a long-term person. I've had a, about three jobs, I think, maybe four my whole life. And I've been in uh, really three churches. And in the since 1977, however many years that is, I've been in two churches. Uh, so I don't, I don't move around a lot. But I realize that it it's reality that that does happen. People come and go, and, and that's part of the life of of a uh, an organism and part of the life of a church. So with that, 2019 was was a, a really something of a year of transition for us uh, here at uh, what we now call CVC or Cascade Vineyard. Part of the change this year is that we did sort of rebrand and change our name, change our logo, changed the name of our church after many years. Uh, so... There were a, a couple things behind that, and I'll, and I'll share them with you uh, briefly. One was that uh, very few of you, but a few of you, were, have probably been around here for a number of years. <coughs> and um, several years ago, we went through a, a really rocky and difficult time as a congregation, and we we had a facility uh, over on, at, ironically, Cascade Avenue here in Tigard. And uh, we're meeting there, and and the the church was uh, quite a bit larger than it is today. Went through a difficult time. We ended up losing that building, and that's when we moved here. And I just have to say, in terms of the body of Christ, I am um, deeply, deeply indebted to Christ the King, our Lutheran brothers and sisters. You know, uh, Pastor Dorothy was not here at the time. A gentleman named Jeff Kalabeg was the pastor. And I, I shared with Jeff one day what was going on with us, and he said, oh, man, just move in with us. I, was, I mean, there was not a, a moment's hesitation. Uh, our church is, as some of you may know, we're, we're a little different than Christ the King. We worship differently, uh, but we, we, we uh, follow the same God, we read the same Bible, and, and it was just a, a precious thing in my heart for for them to open their doors to us, and we've been here ever since. And they have continued to accommodate us and make space for us and, and have been uh, a tremendous, tremendous blessing to me. The other thing uh, that went into the rebrand, so, so, so my point in sharing that is that I, I felt as though this year, I felt like the Lord put it on my heart, that there was still a little bit of residual kind of leftover baggage from some of that earlier time. And that maybe a, a, a new start would be good for us. And so that was... What was in my heart, what I was thinking about as we were considering rebranding, I asked a few of our leaders to pray about it, possibly to submit a name if they had a name that they thought might be a good name for us. And I I got a response back. There were four or five names we were looking at, one of which was Cascade Vineyard. And last summer during our uh, regional conference conference, Uh, My good friend, David Roos, some of you know David, he's a vineyard pastor and worship leader. He's currently serving as the national director of Vineyard Canada. And I laugh because it's just funny to me because he's kind of a nut. But uh, the best kind of nut, but kind of a nut. Uh, But anyway, David came to speak at our regional conference. And so I, uh, having known David for many years, said I'd go pick him up at the airport and kind of host him. And we were coming back from the airport and David uh, randomly, out of the blue, starts telling me this story. And he said, uh, years and years ago, in the very beginning of the vineyard, John Wimber was here in the Northwest doing a leadership meeting. Uh, and some of you may or may not know that there's actually a, a, a region that it comp- that's comprised of part of BC, uh, Washington, and Oregon that's known as Cascadia. It's, it's kind of a region. There's even kind of an underground movement. There's a group of people who would like to secede and become their own country, whatever. I don't know about that. But that's the name of the region. And of course, it comes from the Cascade Range, the mountains that flow through uh, that part of the country. And so David's telling me this story. And he says, John was here speaking to these leaders in the Northwest. And he used that term. He was talking about Cascadia and that... Uh, this would be—he—he he said this. He said it prophetically, back in the early '80s, that the Northwest would be the last region where the vineyard would would really take root and take hold. And that part of that prophecy has proven to be true. Uh, there are fewer vineyard churches and smaller vineyard churches in the Northwest than any other region of the country. There, there are—it's uh, the Northwest is the only region in the United States where there's not at least one vineyard of over thousand people. And many have struggled and many have closed down. And so that's been the case here. But the second part of what John said was that those that would endure through that, that God would meet with them. And he would release uh, a a new work uh, in this part of the country through the Vineyard Church. And... um, I had never heard that before, and when David said that, I said, man, David, that's so interesting because, you know, we've been thinking about rebranding and changing our name, and one of the names we're, we're considering is Cascade Vineyard. And in his very Canadian way, this is what he responded to me. He goes, oh, dude, d- do it. Uh, that's, that's the best Canadian accent I can do. but uh, So I believe that there's a prophetic... Undercurrent to the the name that we're using currently, and that God really does want to meet us and do some things with us, and so part of our transition and change this year was was that. And, and I would encourage you to um, pray with me as to what that might mean this coming year and in the years ahead. Uh, during this year, one of the things that's been exciting for me is that we have welcomed a number of new people. Uh, and, and many of whom were, were involved today in the service and have gotten involved almost immediately. came to us and just connected and plugged in and got involved with prayer and worship and ministry time. And, and that's just such a huge blessing to me, to see people who, who come and, and join and just connect and become part of our community in a really uh, uh, profound way and in a, really a kind of a quick way. Many people just really got involved you know, within the first few weeks that they were here. And so that's been a huge, huge blessing to me this year. And I'm so blessed by the folks that have joined us and that are currently serving in various capacities in our church um, that, are, that are new with us this year. So welcome. Thank you for, for that. Uh, this was also a year in which we saw a number of, of old friends move on. And that's always hard. It's really hard. It, it's a sad thing when you've been with somebody for a long time. You have served the Lord together and, and, and then, uh, you know, they move on. But I also recognize, having <laughs> been in two churches for a long time, uh, that that's the, that's the nature of the beast. That's the way it works. That, that is consistent across the board. It's not just here. It's not just in the vineyard. People move. People change. John Wimber used to say, people vote with their feet. And what John meant by that is that if someone's not connected and not content and not finding the home that they want, they'll move on till they do. And that's just reality. And that, that isn't good or bad. And I have... Uh, I'll go on record today and say I have zero judgment in my heart towards anybody that's moved on from here because I just, I realize that's reality. John also said this, and uh, it's interesting how when you, uh, some of these statements he made when I was young, they didn't mean anything to me at the time. He, he said them. I wrote some of them down, I remembered some of them, but they didn't mean much. Now, 35, 40 years later, they mean a lot. When I first uh, went on staff in Anaheim, I was in a staff meeting, and John said something to the effect of, we're in the people processing business, not the people keeping business. We're in the people processing business, not the people keeping business. And what he meant by that, and something that I've hidden away in my heart, is this, that whether someone is here with us for one Sunday or 20 years, my prayer is that they leave a little bit closer to Jesus than when they came. And if that happens, then we've done our job. If someone comes here, maybe they're from out of town, traveling, visiting, whatever, one Sunday, and they experience God's presence in worship, their heart is warm, maybe they receive a word, whatever, they get prayer, they leave here and they never come back again, but they're a little bit closer to God than they were when they came, then I'm blessed, and I'm thankful for that. If somebody's here with us 20 years and they make a decision to move on, but they leave closer to Jesus than they they came, uh, I'm equally blessed. Looking forward. Uh, in the year ahead. One of the things, I, I, I have a tremendous amount of hope and expectation in my heart for this year. One of the things I'm the most excited about is this, um, is the amazing group of young leaders that we have in our church. Uh, so a so backstory, not told backstory, but side note, uh, I, did a, I, was, I did a radio interview this week, uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it, it was, it's connected, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but it's connected to my book being released in a couple of weeks. But I, but I was on the radio in Detroit, Michigan, a Christian radio station, WMPZ or something, I don't know. But I, I thought, I've never done that before, so it was a little nerve-wracking. I thought, perhaps, they would send you like a list of questions, this is what we're going to talk about, whatever. No. You're on at 9.30 and the phone rings. The guy says, hey, this is Don Woz from WBC. We got going to on the phone. What? 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 So he's, he asked me a couple questions about John, about the book. And then he says this to me. is totally off topic, completely random out of nowhere. But he goes, hey, one of the things we've noticed in the church in America today is a lot of young people are, are pulling away from their church. They're not engaging. They're not connecting. Are you guys seeing that? I'm like, "Uh, No. I, was, I, 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 I didn't do a great radio interview. Um, I just said, hey, look, here's what we're experiencing. I, I said, the, the reality is this, that it's in our heart to make a place for young people to be connected and committed and that they're valued the same as anybody else and they have opportunity to express the gifts that God's given them. And I think that draws people's hearts towards Jesus, not away. And so we, we, we see more young people coming to us than leaving. And I, I felt like it was an anointed moment of radio, maybe not... Eloquent, but anointed. Um, you know, we have a lot of young folks in leadership here. Uh, our associate pastor is 27, 6. He's even younger than I thought. We have one person, and I, I kind of make fun of her, but I'm so happy, but Cindy's the only person on our worship team over 30. And uh, I mean, it's just it's just fun. It's a, it's a it's a there's there's energy in life in that that I love, and it's a blessing to me. And here I'll tell you this is the backstory. It's a it's a blessing to me for this reason, uh, among others. But it's it's really been personally the call in my life. Some of you know, maybe not all of you. I was actually a youth pastor for 13 years, which is about 12 years longer than the average youth pastor. Um. People kept asking me, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Meaning, like, "Have you completely gone insane?" Um, but during that time, in the very early part of that, I think I started as the youth pastor at the Anaheim Vineyard in 1983. It was 1984. We were doing a regional summer camp. We had uh, three churches in the area. That that event eventually grew to be a massive, massive event and led to uh, some some national youth conferences in the 90s. But we started with three churches that would meet up in Big Bear Lake, California every year for summer camp for a week. And we were up there during that week, and the Lord sp- spoke to me, and he gave me this verse from Psalm 71. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And when when the Lord showed me that verse, I just thought, that's it. That's, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so it... it it means the world to me that there's a younger generation of people that uh, I'm able to have some influence on and, and able to have some opportunity to encourage in their walk with the Lord. Uh, that said, I don't think I'm done yet. Uh, I, I think we have a ways to go and there's some more to happen, but it's, it's always been the call in my life and it, it still is, and I'm blessed that our church reflects that. So as, But here, here's a couple things as we move into 2020 that I'm praying for and I'll invite you to pray with me for. And and, and one of those is probably the biggest single prayer in my heart for our church in this next year is diversity. Um, And and it's a big topic just culturally right now, just in in the mix of things is diversity. But let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, One thing is, is age. Our heart's desire is, is not that this would be a young people's church, but that it would truly be a multigenerational church. That's my heart's desire. There, there are, uh, not today, I don't think, but typically there are four generations of my family here. And uh, that's, my, that's my heart's desire for, for our congregation, that it would be multigenerational and that our children would be valued and loved and discipled in the way of the Lord. Uh, we, we do not view children's ministry as babysitting. We view it as an opportunity for discipleship and that, that we try and strive to give our kids a, a, a real experience with Jesus when they're here and it's, it's super important. And so from that generation up, as I mentioned, our young people that have opportunities to serve and to give And I want to say, look, I know that there are other churches today that embrace young people and love young people and where they're active and engaged. I know we're not the only one, but but that said, it is a bit of an anomaly. And I'm going to share a story with you to illustrate that it's a bit of an anomaly. And Mercy, I'm going to embarrass you just a little tiny bit, okay? But about a year or so ago, I don't remember the exact time when Mercy first led worship for the first time for us, and I think it was the weekend you guys got married because you were gone, and everybody was gone. And Mercy had kind of been up here and co-led, or been part of the team, but never really led on her own. But because everybody was gone that weekend, she sort of got thrown in. And and she just did a fantastic job. And I sat here in the front row and cried the whole time. Surprise. (laughs) But uh, about a week after that, I was at a vineyard pastor's meeting in the area, and I shared that, and One of the other vineyard pastors in our area said to me, how do you do that? I said, how do you do what? He said, how do you let a 17-year-old lead worship? It was like, this question does not compute. and I didn't really know how to respond. I looked at him, I said, how do you not? And so to me, simply to say again that uh, we value the contribution that everybody makes here and I'm, I'm really praying that we become a place where those that have been around the block a few times have the opportunity to, to, to share what God's done in their life and the wisdom that God's given them and maybe some of the hard knocks of life that they've gone through with those younger people and that there is a give and take and, and a kind of a, a mutual discipleship uh, that takes place in that. By diversity, I not only mean age, but I also mean gender. And uh, another controversial sort of issue, culturally speaking, both, I think, in the world in terms of the political arena and maybe the business world a little bit, but also uh, entertainment, but, but certainly in the church, there are different perspectives on uh, women in ministry, I'm committed personally, and I believe our leadership team is 100% with me in this, that this is a place where women have opportunity to lead, to speak, to teach, and to be on equal footing with the men. Uh, in my perspective, there is nothing in the life of this church that a woman cannot do. I'll share with you, I'll give up my wife a little bit, but Donna only teaches about once or twice a year because she's got so much else going on in her life. Which Every time she teaches... I'll have at least three or four people come up to me afterwards and say, oh, you should have her do that more often. I'm like, well, I would be happy to have her do that more often, but it's not really up to me. Um, But I am thankful for, uh, incredibly thankful for the the female leadership we have in the life of this church and um, pray that that increases and grows in the years ahead. The third thing, of course, in terms of diversity is ethnicity, and, and here's the thing. Um, I, I would love for our church to truly reflect our community in a greater way, and to have a little bit more ethnic diversity than we experience currently. I'm thankful for, for uh, those folks that are here, uh, but I would love to see that increase. Uh, and I realize, uh, I've been in church for a long time, that that's not easy that people worship differently and we all have cultural values that we adhere to. But I also don't think it's impossible. The the vineyard in uh, Evanston, Illinois, outside of Chicago is probably the most diverse church I've ever been in. And so I know it can be done. And so I am prayerfully asking God to help us to find ways to open doors into our community and, and that our church might, in the days ahead, really truly reflect our community. So, With that, there's a few things that I think, as a church, we want to focus our heart on this year. One of those is the imperative that we maintain an outside focus, an outward focus, that we not not become internalized. It's super easy. Let me tell you, it takes about 30 seconds for a church to internalize and start thinking, well, I like this, I like that. This is what we want to do. This is what we're about, um, our needs and so forth. But I, I do not ever want to see that happen in the life of our church. I want us to take whatever efforts are necessary to maintain a focus on our community. A couple years ago, we did a little thing, some of you might remember, called the thousand hours. It almost killed us. (laughs) We did a thousand hours of community service in 30 days with this group of people, and it was brutal. I mean, it it, it was fantastic and brutal all at once. I don't know if we'll do that again. That said, I do pray, and I, and I always look for important opportunities for us to be a presence in our community, and to connect with different people and different, different ministries, different organizations, different whoever, whatever, in this community, and to, to be part of the community. I, I shared um, with somebody a couple days ago, I've shared it here before. I'll, I'll tell you again this morning, just because it was profound to me, but when some of the uh, a couple years ago or so, when, when there was a, a lot of talk about immigration and people being deported and some of that, uh, a large percentage of our uh, clientele to Food Pantry are, are Latino, and there was some concern. What if I come here? Am I going to be arrested? And I actually sat down with the police chief in Tigard, and the police chief of Tigard is a fantastic woman, and she said to me, look, I don't care somebody commits a crime, then I want to talk to them. But if they're just here coming to your church for food, I don't care who they are, where they come from. I won't bother them. And so it, it meant a huge deal to me for her to say that and for me to be able to communicate that to our folks here. That Look, you're fine. You come here, and, and that's, that's, that's it. That's all we need to know. You're hungry, we'll give you food. And, and that's another um, really important value for us, is to be a resource in the community. We've done that since day one. And I have said before, we'll never stop doing that. As long as I'm part of this church in any capacity, and as long as I'm alive, um, we will continue to uh, be a resource for our community. The, 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 the primary way we do that is through our food pantry, King's Kindness. And, and the truth is this, it's not a huge, it's not a huge uh, expense or expenditure of resource for us because of the way we're able to, to collect food. But I do believe it's something that makes a difference that we can do in the community. We, we can only do what we do. I have people call me every week. Can you help us out with rent? Can you help us out? And no, I can't help you out with that. We can't do everything, but we can do what we can do. And that's the one thing that we can do. Uh, and as, as small as it is, I believe it's a blessing. I'll give you a couple numbers just so you can think about how much a part of the community we really are. But In 2019, in this last year, we provided a week's worth of groceries, including meat and fresh produce, to 1,750 families. Roughly, uh, that totals out roughly 4,000 people. And it's not 4,000 different people. Some of those are the same people. And that's another thing, that we are the only food pantry that I'm aware of in this county that does not put a limit on how many times a month you could come and get food. Everybody else says once a month, twice a month. We say come four times a month. If you're hungry, I'd rather you come here and get food than go home hungry. So uh, we will always continue to do that. Another of the vineyard values that I hope to see us uh, strengthen this coming year that we have not been as, as good in the last couple years is a little thing called equipping the saints. And it's kind of the, the sort of underlying motto of the vineyard from the very beginning that we want to equip the saints, that we want to help people be prepared to do the works of the kingdom, that ministry is not done by the pastors and the leaders alone, but by everybody And so we want to provide training for that. It doesn't matter who you are, what age or gender or ethnicity you are. We we would love to see you get involved in ministry. And to that end, um, I want to do some more uh, midweek classes. It was mentioned this morning. We'll do how to study the Bible in February. It's three weeks, Wednesday nights in the youth room here. Everybody's welcome. It's just an inductive Bible study course that I put together a few years ago to help you get more out of your personal reading. If you ever... Find yourself going, I don't know what to read. or what, what. I know I should read the Bible every day. There's reading plans. Do I do that? I don't know what this means when I read it. Uh, this is an introductory. It's real simple. It's a lot of fun. There's homework every week. Uh, but it's, it's fun. It's interactive. We do it together. So you're invited to that. It'll be in February. Probably 7. Don't ask me details. I don't know. Yeah, I think 7 o'clock Wednesday nights on... February 5th, 12th, and 19th, not January 19th. Um, And then later in the year, I wanna continue that. We have a number of other courses that we've developed over the years, including our ministry team training, Kingdom Economics, the stewardship of finances, small group leadership, and some others that that I'm gonna try to at least once per quarter, maybe more, depending on the length of the class, to keep those going and provide more opportunities for equipping and training this year. I also want to talk about prayer for a minute. Uh, Doug mentioned this morning, our Tuesday morning uh, prayer time. Prayer is a big part of our faith. It's part of our Christian life and growth. We all know that. We all need that. No show of hands. But most of us probably feel like we could do better than we're doing currently. Uh, struggle with prayer a little bit. So a couple things I've found. Here's my, my tip for the day. I found that praying with others sparks my personal prayer life. When I get together with other people and pray with them, I'm, it sparks my personal prayer life when I'm not with them. And so I find it a value to get together and pray with people. So to that end, not that end alone, but that's one of the reasons, uh, we do a prayer meeting every Tuesday morning from 6.30 to 7.30, as was mentioned, in the youth room. I get it. It's early. I know that. Uh, believe me. The older I get, the harder it is to get up. That's just reality. But once a week, from 6.30 to 7.30, there are four faithful saints who meet in that back room and pray every week. We would love to have you join us. And you don't have to commit to being there every week. Come once a month. Come whenever you can. And you don't have to be there at 6.30. Come at 7. Come at at 6.30 and leave at 7 to go to work. It doesn't matter. Just join us for part of that time uh, once a month or so. I would encourage you to come and do that. Um, we also provide opportunities to receive prayer here, and that is a, a huge thing to us, that everybody has an opportunity to receive and that nobody walks through whatever life throws in front of you alone. And so, typically every Sunday morning, we have prayer here. We have a ministry team that's trained to pray for you. We also have something called Soaking Prayer, which is a four-week intensive prayer opportunity where for one hour, for four weeks in a row, a team of three people will pray with you personally over more intense or in-depth situations. And if you would like more information about that or feel like you need that, you can talk to uh, Cindy or myself and we'd be happy to, to help you uh, engage in that. Okay, so uh, we're gonna wrap up here in two minutes. Last couple things I wanna share with you, just a couple exciting things. Uh, we have a, this, this, is, this, this is, we are greater than the sum of our parts. I think that's right. Uh, th- this is a creative little group here. And there's a couple of things that I'm very excited about uh, in the coming year. And one is, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I wrote a book this year. It's, it's Thank you. It's, it's Vineyard DNA. It, it's uh, it's uh, a, a collection of little phrases that John Wimber used to use to kind of define who we are as a people. And, it, and I was around John a lot, probably more than most people in the Vineyard movement today, all of them. Um, and so I gathered some of those things together and wrote them down. And it really just defines just who we are as a people. It's really, I won't go into the whole story today, but it was really miraculous how it came about. And so it's set for release on January 21st, in just about three weeks from now, the book will come out. Um, so, so that's my Amazon, the, the Amazon page for it. If you wanna look it up, you can. Uh, if you would like to buy one, you're, you can pre-order now, and it'll be shipped to you on the 21st, of the day it's released. Um, if you, if you would like to, you don't have to, no, no, no obligation, but uh, if you wanted to post a review after you read it, I would be indebted to you. Uh, and you can't do that in advance because Amazon won't allow you to post a review until the book's released. Uh, there's another website called Goodreads that acknowledges advanced reader copies and you can post a, a, a review on there. And, and so I'll be getting reviews from people that I've sent the book out to. Uh, in advance. But it's kind of fun. I'm excited about it. It's a lifelong dream of mine to do, and I did it. So there you go. Second thing is that our worship team has been working as well. And they have been writing music and recording music and working on uh, this project called Induced Season this year. And again, you know, there's uh, 650-some vineyard churches in the United States, 2,500 or so worldwide. A handful have ever put out their own worship album. Literally, 20, 25, 30, maybe 40, I don't know, a handful. And I'm, I'm blessed, I'm super blessed that our team here is writing music. To me, worship is this, when, when, when new worship songs are written, you know, in the, in the Psalms, it says over and over, sing a new song. And every now and then, somebody will say to me, I love the old songs. And I go, I love the old songs too. But our liturgy should be a reflection of what God's doing in, in our lives today. It's not a reflection of what God was doing in our lives in the 1980s. So while I love those old songs and they're nostalgic, I'm so blessed that there are new songs and, and that this particular record will be a reflection of what God's doing in the life of this church today. So sometime this year, the, the, the guys are working on that, the guys and gals, and that, that'll be available later in the year as well, and we'll make sure that you guys are able to get copies of that. Um, let's see. You know what? (laughs) We're not going to do it. I was going to have you guys get in groups and pray, but I went too long, so I'm just going to invite the worship team to come back up and uh, close us with a final song. Why don't you guys... Oh, never mind. Look at my servant. Not everybody can have Wolverine as a servant. Thanks again for listening.